Kelly Brogan, MD, Ali Zek, Sayer G, Kelly, BroganMD.com. There's a phrase we all keep hearing, it doesn't make sense. We've heard it from citizen journalists, from hospital and police force whistleblowers, and from otherwise compliant and law-abiding self-quarantiners whose personal, lived experience simply isn't adding up to what they are being told is happening by mainstream media. So what is it that doesn't make sense? Is it? That many medical experts have actually downgraded the potential threat of COVID-19 from initial projections by orders of magnitude, including Dr. Anthony Fauci himself, in a New England Journal of Medicine report where he wrote that the overall clinical consequences of COVID-19 may ultimately be more akin to a severe seasonal influenza, which has a case fatality rate of approximately 0.1%, yet we are seeing unprecedented, draconian-style control measures being implemented by executive order. That there were staged planning events in October 2019 including Urban Outbreak and Event 201, nationwide CDC quarantine program job postings from November of 2019, a coronavirus patent, World Bank pandemic bonds, well in advance of when this pandemic supposedly started, and spontaneously erupted and disseminated globally in a manner that could never be explained through person-to-person contagion? That doctors are being told to code all deaths as COVID without so much as the facade of testing when up to 99% of case fatalities are in individuals with multiple pre-existing conditions, the vast majority of them elderly? That hospitals are supposedly full to the brim with intubated patients when hospital staff are being laid off or furloughed, and whistleblowers are speaking to iatrogenic harm and death, including through intubation, being systematically committed by physicians? That the plan for return to normal is being dictated by an unelected software technocrat who happens to also fund GMOs, including non-meat synthetic products, 5G, all of the labs currently working on the vaccine, implantable tracking devices, and the WHO? That people were dying en masse from all manner of preventable illnesses ranging from obesity to hunger to properly prescribed medications with no historical precedent for governmental intervention around these far deadlier epidemics, but now we are to believe that the government cares so much about us that it will keep us safe even against our will? That we should consent to be traced and tracked as law-abiding, healthy civilians even when convicted felons and many sex offenders are not? That facial coverings ranging from a scarf to a reused surgical mask with them poor sizes are going to keep out what we are calling a virus which is NM in diameter? 1. That mask wearing has been enforced when the Surgeon General, the WHO and even Fauci say to not wear them, and elected officials congregated on television have never worn them? That Walmart, Target, and Costco are open while small businesses, parks, and beaches have been shuttered since March 14th? many of which will remain permanently closed due to the irreversible economic impacts of the shutdown? That the list of the virus's associated symptoms have grown and changed, all the while without there being unequivocal evidence of the virus's point of origin and isolation in Wuhan or proof of global contagion? That 5G networks are being installed during a time of essential work only in every major metropolitan area while we are quarantined in our homes? That the immune system thrives on diversity of exposure, sunlight, time in nature and in loving company of others, but we are being told to hide alone, indoors? That 30 million people in this country alone have suddenly lost their jobs through essential business restrictions, however there happened to be a 1,000-page piece of legislation spontaneously prepared to institute the rollout of a system of government handouts and cashless currency? That numbers of cases are determined through testing methods that do not confirm COVID-19, have tested positive in fruit and animals, and which the test inventor said should not be used to identify a specific disease. This is just a starter list of all that does not make sense, and each question invokes a state of cognitive dissonance or confusion, which, when courageously explored, can be a very fertile state for the evolution of thought, perspective, and belief. Courage, in this sense, refers to action in the face of fear.
and there is tremendous fear that is brought up through the rupture of trust in our government and associated authorities. The fear is in place as an emotional caution tape between our defensive survival strategies of childhood and the emancipated sovereignty of individuated adulthood. This is operative for so many right now who feel the irrepressible tension between what we are being told is happening, a deadly virus is spreading that we need protection from, and the sense that there is more to the story. But so many minimize, dismiss, or otherwise defend the mainstream narrative because to do otherwise would require truly cutting the umbilical cord connecting them to mommy medical system and daddy government. It would require stepping into their adult authority which is their own, individual truth and sovereign power, a terrifying initiation to self that can feel like the world as you know it must end in order to accommodate this new truth and perceived reality. If we want to feel free, then why would anyone continue to trust and obey an authority that is not here to protect but rather to control and enslave? Why we stay asleep, unhealed trauma. Aldous Huxley said that the brain is a reducing valve for a much vaster consciousness. We allow in what we are able to, so what constricts the valve? A child needs to believe that her caregivers fundamentally are doing the best they can to care for and love her. She also believes that they could abandon or reject her at any turn and that this could be life-threatening. So she develops many strategies to survive in the unavoidable setting of her dependency on these deficient parental authorities. These strategies involve suppressing her true feelings, her true beliefs, and blaming herself, I must deserve this. They lead to dominant thoughts that reflect the parents' interjected statements or imagined opinions such as you're only lovable if you're useful slash keep the peace slash follow orders or you're worthless and your body isn't yours, it's mine to handle as I see fit or you don't deserve to be happy because you're bad. How does a child stand up to a parent that is abusing them when they are powerless to defend themselves? They don't. They acquiesce, submit and align with the reality of their abuser in order to stay safe. But what happens if we never reclaim ourselves from this imprint? What happens when the feelings that surface when we reconsider allegiance to those big, looming authorities that we imagine could crush us if we don't comply? This is the pattern of intergenerational trauma we see running through the lineage of humanity now, where unexamined trauma leads to a fugue state of dissociation from self and intuition in service of a preserved trust and loyalty to parentified authorities. And this is how and why world citizens told to go to their room lest the boogeyman get them, dutifully comply, stay inside of their homes, and await further orders, welcoming in the new normal for themselves and their children. Global Stockholm Syndrome There is a name for the psychomotional dynamic of defending the parentified aggressor and we are seeing this surface en masse. It is called Stockholm Syndrome. It refers to a positive bond of attachment formed between a victim of abuse and the abuser. It's why women defend their right to birth control, antidepressants and medicalized birth, without perceiving the dangerous shadow side of these technologies. And it's why, today, all around the world, people are shaming, judging, and otherwise deputizing themselves to coerce dissenters into compliance. Wear a mask. You're killing people. When the wounded and traumatized child is pulling the strings behind the curtain, she says that you can't handle the emotions that might surface if you choose to relinquish trust and dependency on an outside authority. She says that you will be abandoned, rejected, and may even die. So, if you are feeling powerless, then bully someone else and diffuse some of the discomfort. On an individual level and on a collective level, these dynamics keep us divided against the true oppressor, the authority we unduly empower. This Stockholm Syndrome is characterized by positive regard towards perpetrators of abuse or captors, failure to cooperate with police and other government authorities when it comes to holding perpetrators of abuse or kidnapping accountable, little or no effort to escape, belief in the goodness of the perpetrators or kidnappers, appeasement of captors. This is a manipulative strategy for maintaining one's safety. As victims get rewarded, perhaps with less abuse or even with life itself, 
their appeasing behaviors are reinforced. Learned helplessness. This can be akin to if you can't beat them, join them. As the victims fail to escape the abuse or captivity, they may start giving up and soon realize it's just easier for everyone if they acquiesce all their power to their captors. Feelings of pity toward the abusers, believing they are actually victims themselves. Because of this, victims may go on a crusade or mission to save their abuser. Unwillingness to learn to detach from their perpetrators and heal. In essence, victims may tend to be less loyal to themselves than to their abuser. Too. So how is this dynamic upheld? Why wouldn't we recognize that we are aligning with the perpetrators of our victimhood? Tactical capture, manipulation and mind control. Greater than the conscious intelligent manipulation of the organized opinions and habits of the masses is an important element in a democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds molded, our tastes formed, our ideas suggested largely by men we have never heard of. In almost every act of our lives, whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or our ethical thinking, we are dominated by the relatively small number of persons who understand the mental processes and social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires that control the public mind. Edward Bernays. One of the great perils of any survival strategy that relies on a benevolent parentified authority and power structure is that we are unable to see how and where and why this system may not share our same values and may indeed be doing us harm. Such systems rely on the empathic and compliant nature of dependent individuals for manipulation and mind control. These psychological operations are totally ineffective if the subject sees through the presented reality to the darker agenda beneath, the story behind the story. In this way, propaganda can be delivered as a mass public relations campaign, hidden in plain sight to manufacture consent. At this point, every single consensus narrative, on climate change, 9-11, the suffragette movement, war, HIV-AIDS, vaccination, and yes, today's pandemic, is a smokescreen for deeper agendas that we have been strategically manipulated to accept. Strategic marketing campaigns are also behind the transformation that Bill Gates has enjoyed from a corrupt software engineer to a global philanthropist. It has been through philanthropocapitalistic infusion of hundreds of millions of dollars into the global media, including NPR, and even seemingly impartial fact-checking organizations, that this reputation has been manufactured out of thin air generating a shared public perception that is divergent from if not antithetical to a lived private reality. It is because of our unexamined traumas that we fail to critically think, question deeply, and see what is for the seeing. And the fear that these traumas keep active in our present day leads us to abdicate freedoms in exchange for the illusion of safety. We may never question whether the perceived danger originated with the very authority to which we have sacrificed our freedoms. This is why today, we see citizens self-quarantining, policing their neighbors, and begging for a vaccine. Create a problem, agitate the public, and offer a solution that would not have been easily introduced without the previous two steps. Transitioning paradigms, waking up to adulthood. There is a narrative that is predicated on the belief that things are what they seem to be, or what we see is what it is, the president is an elected official and he makes decisions on our behalf and does the best he can to manage competing interests in service of his party's priorities or that with our current political party system using elections, that we actually have a choice. There is also an underlying belief that government exists to serve the best interests of the people. There is a belief that our current medical system is a scientifically based care delivery approach that organizes itself around saving lives with safe and effective pharmaceuticals. And yet another belief that the mainstream media may be a bit biased in one direction or another, but is generally reporting on actual events as they unfold and that those who may be censored in the news or social media are disseminating harmful and dangerous information. So if they are censored, justice has been served and people were protected by the censorship.
In this worldview, the government is at best bumbling but functional in its role as protector of the people, and systemic problems are par for the course given the amount of people they are trying to serve and room for human error, and at worst, financially motivated, but not organized or malevolent. And if our inherent belief is that there are no bad people in power, as defined by a significant privation of morality, and that there is a basic order of fairness to our world where justice evens out power imbalances, we will seek out information, people and sources to reflect that belief, and we will feel discomfort when presented with a contrary narrative. Likewise, if our values reflect a sense of benevolence and kindness then we will assume in a very naive and egocentric way that everyone operates with kindness, maybe doing some harm unintentionally, but really doing the best they can, even when we are faced with opposing facts. But for many, at some point, the perspective of the idealized authority ceases to align with a personal, lived experience, and our true selves begin to rattle the cage. This process represents, for many, the death of the former self, of familiar reality, and of all that is known. We slide down the rabbit hole of critical thinking, and we see a the mainstream orthodoxy as reflective of agendas that are highly designed, intentionally deceptive, and strategically organized, whether by extraterrestrial vampires, the deep state elite, or the medical or military-industrial complexes, and that reality is anything but what we have been told it is. In this narrative there is a deep conviction that morality has no place in politics and that power and advancement should be sought using any means necessary, no matter the lives lost or people harmed, the overall agenda of the ruling is the objective. There are layers and layers of information and ever-deepening realities that begin to reveal a plan hidden in plain sight as in the widely accessible possible scenarios lockstep 2010 document and agenda 2030 that reveal an intent to subjugate the human species into a new global governance structure, i.e., new world order, welfare state dependencies, real-time total surveillance and tracking, and biomedically delivered slavery. And with this awakening to truth, you begin to see all of the ways in which you have supported, condoned, and permitted the parentified controller to manipulate you. It's as if you are a 45-year-old woman living at your parents' house, and they abuse you, physically, emotionally, and verbally, they starve you, and control you, and you feel that you don't have a choice to live on your own because you'd be homeless otherwise. Is that really the truth? What if the most incredible life awaits you just outside of your choice to self-emancipate? This narrative cuts cords with the belief that health and safety is anyone's responsibility but our own. It leaves us with this, own yourself, govern yourself, and learn how to love yourself so that we can finally honor one another in this planet. Why IT's time to bring your shadow into the light? And we wait with the house of our civil liberties being burnt down right in front of us because first and foremost we have an aversion to looking not only at the darkness outside of us, but inside of us as well. This denial and lack of acknowledgement helps fuel the fire of our house burning down, as Martin Luther King said, for evil to succeed, all it needs is for good men to do nothing. If you are ready to resolve your cognitive dissonance by stepping into awareness, it will be imperative that you resist the temptation to run victim stories around all that you discover. When you finally see beneath the veil of the manipulation, mind control, deceit, and social engineering that renders us dependent on a system that cares not for our well-being, this awareness can lead to rage, fear, indignation and a kind of demonization that ultimate keeps us donating our energy to the very source of our potential victimization. So how do we hold this new awareness with sovereignty? You recognize that the feelings have been there since childhood. They are not new, and they are not even necessarily about anything happening in the world today. So learning how to hold those feelings, release, and transform them can allow you to engage with equanimity and compassion. It allows you to remain self-possessed. It's possible that in this moment in time, our shadows are coming to light, meaning we are experiencing opportunities to see where and how we might be holding the very same energy of those we judge and condemn. 
we are seeing what we are capable of doing when we don't know what we are capable of doing, in other words, the ways in which we unconsciously derive a sense of power through our need to be right, be in control, control others, and to otherwise imagine that we are important or superior to anyone else. When we look at these areas of our life and relationship, wherever there is conflict in one's life, we will be given the opportunity to own it or deny it. When we own it, we see that the enemies in power are representatives of the suppressed parts of our collective and individual unconscious, the darkness of will within each of us that is disconnected from the heart. And we can simply choose to stop feeding that unconsciousness by remaining, always in our heart space as we allow our awareness to expand and expand and expand. Travel Tips How do you know what's real and what's not? When your body gets clear, it tells you the truth. You feel it as a quite, uncharged knowing, often in the depths of your gut. The truth never feels like fear or urgency, so let the emotions alchemize and then check in. Who do you trust? Trust can be a donation of personal power, a vector of dependency, and a path to unconscious attachment. What if you treat everyone as if you don't trust them, or everyone as if you do? What if you never give something away that is contingent upon the person you are giving it to protecting you in a way that you can't protect yourself? This way, we remain centered in our own agency, relating as individuals without undue merger, but with listening ears and open hearts. Does your truth matter or is that just ego? It may be an important time in human history to voice your truth. A time to dismantle the illusion that only experts get to speak. So do your research, find your voice, and share it without needing anyone to agree with you or even support you. Recognizing that it may be only your truth, and that it still matters even if it is. What role does hope play? There is no savior on a white horse. No doctor, politician, president who is going to make everything all right. This is an inside job for each of us. It is time to adult, step into our power, resolve our internal and external conflicts with radical self-acceptance, compassion, and forgiveness, and begin to explore what it would be to recognize that the system isn't broken, it was made this way. Can we move beyond external forms of governance and the illusion that we need to be protected? That we don't know how to care for and heal ourselves? It may be time to find out but it requires giving up all hope of salvation from the outside, and finding that deep faith, trust, and vigilant commitment to policing and governing oneself. The truth is that we wake up when we are ready, and not one second sooner. And as we do, we'll need each other to walk the path into the wild unknown to the experience of freedom, joy, and simple beauty that has always been our birthright. References 1https colon slash slash www.researchgate.net slash publication slash 34057073 underscore masks underscore don apostrophe t underscore work underscore a underscore review underscore of underscore science underscore relevant underscore to underscore COVID-19 underscore social underscore policy. 2https colon slash slash www.goodtherapy.org slash blog slash why Stockholm syndrome happens and how to help 0926184. Copyright Kelly Brogan. All rights reserved. This article, republished with permission, originally appeared here. Kelly Brogan, MD, is a Manhattan-based holistic psychiatrist, author of the New York Times best-selling book, A Mind of Your Own, and co-editor of the landmark textbook Integrative Therapies for Depression. She completed her psychiatric training and fellowship at NYU Medical Center after graduating from Cornell University Medical College, and has a BS from MIT in Systems Neuroscience. View full bio.